This is the Steve Brown Art Center Podcast Network. I'm Jim Gillespie with producer Blake Tempest, and this is the Jessup News for November 28th. We are sponsored this week by the Littleton Diner. Bob and everyone out at the diner have been great backers of the Steve Brown Arts Center. Whether you want pub grub, a night out with your friends, or one of Bob's special nights, like his fish fry, I know he would be glad to see you. Please support the people that support the Steve Brown Arts Center and get out and see Bob when you get a chance. That's the Littleton Diner. The Steve Brown Arts Center is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that has a vision for artists, young and old alike, to have the opportunity to better themselves while helping to build the skills of those around them. It will be offering community programming starting in Jessup, Iowa, before expanding to neighboring communities. Programming will include a community speaker series that will showcase existing creatives who reside within the community, as well as a pop-up series that will spotlight and partner with local businesses to provide opportunities for community engagement. The long-range vision is to house a rural artist residency program for professional and emerging artists in all areas of the arts and the humanities. Artists will be offered accommodations and studio space in exchange for contribution of labor and maintenance of the building and grounds. As far as the city news, um, the Jessup City Council met a regular council meeting on Monday, November 21st, 2022 at 7 p.m. Mayor Chris Even called the meeting to order at 7 p.m. Members present were Denny Bell, David Bishop, and Todd Rolfson. Absent were Curtis Shears and Craig Wright. Motion by Rolfson, seconded by Bishop to approve the agenda. Motion carried three to nothing. Motion by Bishop, seconded by Bell, to approve and adopt the following items in consent agenda. One, approve the minutes of November 7th. Two, approve the city clerk report. And three, approve the claims and give direction to pay. Motion passed three to nothing. Citizen input, Carolyn Hackwell, spoke regarding Chapter 69 of the Code of Ordinances. Hackwell stated there are vehicles parked on the street for longer than 48 hours and the ordinance is not being enforced. Department reports, Rolfson questioned the North Street Improvement Project. Public Works Director Michael Fetkeller stated that Fair Graham is working on engineering the project and the city and county still need to enter into 28E agreement. That's an agreement where the city and the county work together. In old business, a motion by Rolfson, seconded by Bishop, to approve The third reading of an ordinance as follows. An ordinance amending Chapter 99 regarding sewer service charges. Motion carried three to nothing. There was another motion by Rolfson, seconded by Bell, to approve a final adoption of an ordinance as follows. An ordinance amending Chapter 99 regarding sewer service charges. Motion carried three to nothing. In new business, a resolution approving and authorizing an execution of the First Amendment to the agreement for private development by and between the City of Jessup and TK Developers, LLC. Motion carried three to nothing. Fetkeller spoke regarding the pump at lift stations number one. The lift station is located on First Street between Holly Street and Prospect Street. Each lift station has two pumps and one of them is locked up and needs repaired. Motion by Bell, second by Bishop, to approve the quote from the Iowa Pump Works for a new pump and list station number two in the amount of $2,531.58. Motion carried 3-0. 
Fekeler spoke regarding the purchase of a new fire hydrant to replace the hydrant located on the corner of Church Street and 7th Street. The hydrant was leaking and had been shut off. Motion carried three to nothing for, for the new hydrant. The meeting was adjourned at 7.07 p.m. Pretty quick minutes. As far as the library, Little Tot Storytime meets every Thursday at 10.30. Don't forget the Spice Club each month as they feature such things as the November Spice is Cumin. Get yours today at the Jessup Public Library. I was in there and there's still a couple packages left. The Candy Coin Jar. Guess the number of candy coins in the jar and win the candy. The contest is open till the end of this month. That's the end of November. Media sale, books for, uh, for all ages, DVDs, audiobooks, puzzles, games, and more have been, been donated and are available for free will donation to the Friends of the Library. Check us out. The JPL is more than books. We also have magazines, newspapers, cake pans, puzzles, games, STEM activity bags, cookie cutters, DVDs, a soap-making kit, and more for you to check out. We can also request materials from other Iowa libraries at no charge through our interlibrary loan system. If you have a gift idea, the Velvet Coffee Company is working with the Jessup Public Library in a fundraiser, and you can buy coffee from www.velvetcoffee.com and a portion of that sales goes to the Jessup Public Library. New books in our library include Mike Pence's So Help Me God, Lisa Unger's Secluded Cabin Sleep Six, Daniel Steele's The High Notes, and Michael Conley's Desert Star are some of our new titles. Friends of the Jessup Public Library is welcoming new members. The organization improves the services and resources of the library and promotes, promotes citizens and community and hosts fundraising events to offer programs and resources for all ages. The Jessup Public Library Endowment Fund was established as a gift to the library to ensure the longevity of materials and resources for, for the community. Stop in the library and talk to Becky about that when you have the opportunity. You can always donate to the library as well. Don't forget, uh, along with the Jessup Chamber of Commerce and Co-Work 591, the Jessup Winter Festival will be December 3rd from 4 until 7 down in the park. Uh, make sure that you check out the Facebook page of, of all of the groups that are going to be running events there. School, school news. Our 3rd through 6th grade boys and girls basketball teams compete in league play over the weekend in Albertette and Jessup. We will take this weekend off for Thanksgiving and then finish the rec season with three more weeks of league play. The 5th and 6th grade boys basketball team both played in the Waverly Tournament this past Sunday, and both groups finished the day 3-0 to go a combined 6-0 on the day against good competition from bigger schools and club teams. Archery continues to practice as they prepare for their upcoming tournaments. Brock Sabres will be here today, and we'll talk to him a little bit about the about archery, I know there's some big numbers this year. Um, the middle school and elementary hallways will be open for adult walking on Sundays and Wednesdays beginning December 4th from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. Please enter through the activity doors and bring a clean pair of shoes. We will not have the halls open on Christmas Day, on the 28th, or on New Year's Day, but we'll open them up again on 
January 4th and keep them open until the weather turns in the spring. Email Brock Sabres at bsabres at jessupk12.ia.us with any questions. Obituaries from White's Funeral Home. Virginia Carlton, Jenny Smith, 80 years old of Independence, Iowa, died Friday, November 18, 2022 at Prairie Hills Assisted Living in Independence following a lengthy battle with Alzheimer's disease. Virginia Lee Carlton was born January 20th, 1942 in Minneapolis, Minnesota, the daughter of Lawrence W. Carlton and Evelyn Marie Whipple Carlton. She graduated from Waterloo West High School with a class of 1960. She married Ron Bowers, and the couple later divorced. On July 10, 1972, she was united in marriage to Claude Edward Smith in Waterloo, Iowa. The couple made their home in Independence, where she was a homemaker and owned and operated the Pronto Filling Station in town. Claude preceded Ginny in death in 2015. Ginny loved animals of all kinds. She especially liked to watch and feed the birds and deer. One of her favorite hobbies was to breed and raise Tennessee Walker horses. She also loved to travel. Her travels included Scotland, Tennessee, and Las Vegas. She liked to watch Western movies, and she had a classy sense of fashion. Often having her outfits color-coded, Jenny and Claude enjoyed entertaining friends and family at their home as well as on the river. She liked to have river floats and play with her grandchildren on the sandbar by her house. She also loved to take the grandchildren for golf cart and ATV riot. Jenny is survived by her children, Tracy Bowers of Coralville, Iowa, Terry Joe Thompson of Independence, Iowa, seven grandchildren, eight great-grandchildren, one brother-in-law, Roger, and a niece and nephew. She was preceded in death by her parents, her husband, Claude Smith, Jr., and one sister, Nancy Taylor. Michael Dean Burridge, 72, of Gilbertville, passed away surrounded by his loving family on November 18, 2022, in LaPorte City. Mike was born in Fairville, Wisconsin, on December 14, 1949. He had eight siblings with whom he stayed in close contact through his life, five sisters and three brothers. He graduated from Don Bosco High School in 1969. He served in the Vietnam War with the Army and married Shannon Lee Els on December 26, 1969. They lovingly raised four children for 33 years in Jessup. They later divorced in 2004. Mike worked for John Deere for 34 years and was well known for his cartoons and humor. It was no secret that Mike was a stellar father who always made time and effort to provide his children with encouragement, laughter, generosity, and wisdom. They spent their summers traveling together, Griswold-style, to various destinations around the country. Mike shared the latter part of his life with his long-term girlfriend, Susan Thompson, who was embraced by his family in Gilbertville. They hosted many visitors, enjoying their company around the kitchen table and on the back porch. Mike was preceded in death by his parents, Hubert and Geraldine, his sister, Dottie, brother, Dennis, three brothers-in-law, Jerry Clark, Gary Shadlow, Gene Mattingly, and one sister-in-law, Pat Burridge, and girlfriend, Susie. Mike is survived by his brother, Albert Burridge, and Larry Bur- Burridge, his sister Eileen Chadlow, Dee Dee Clark, Geraldine Becker, and Tammy Smith. His baby mama Shannon Burridge and their children Stephanie Kearns, Martha Burridge, Noah Burridge, and Hannah Ewald. His seven grandchildren Isaiah, Ava, and Ethan 
Kearns, Jonah McAnally, Elijah and Willowburge, and Nova Nova Ewald, as well as countless nieces, nephews, and godchildren. Michael lived a full life with positive attitude, tons of humor, and a heart full of love. Those who knew Knight Mike the most certainly have a story that ends in laughter. Please share them. Maxine Matilda Schmitz, 90, of Raymond, Iowa, died after a short illness on November 20, 2022 at Unity Point Allen Memorial Hospital in Waterloo, Iowa. Funeral services were held at 10.30 a.m. Saturday, November 26, 2022 at Immaculate Conception Catholic Church in Gilbertville, Iowa. Burial followed at St. Joseph Catholic Cemetery in Raymond. Visitation was from 3 to 7 Friday, November 25th at Immaculate Conception Catholic Church, Gilbertville, with a rosary at 3.30 and a vigil service at 6.30. Visitation continued an hour before the service. Saturday at the church. The Steve Brown Art Center Podcast Network. And we're coming to you from Cowork 591 Studios. We're here tonight with Brock Sabres. Um, Brock is, runs the rec department at Jessup High School. And Brock, we're glad you're with us tonight. It's, uh, we'll tell the people, it's uh, after 1030 at night. Um, it's Thanksgiving week. This, uh, this will air on the 28th. Uh, Monday the 28th, and so one of the reasons uh, we wanted Brock to come in is uh, all the service that, that he's done for our community and that he does for our community. So, Brock, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's, let's start a little bit. Brock, tell us about your family and, and everything for the people that don't know about your family. Okay, well, um, born and raised here, um, lived here my whole life, except for a few years in uh Quite a few years in college, my cousins like to say I should be a doctor for all the time I, I spent in Cedar <laughs> Falls, but but um, here I am, uh, a flag football guy. Two brothers, uh, Luke and Greg, and a sister, Lori, and then now married to Angie um, for, let me get this right, uh, 2008, so um, you can do the math for me yeah, afterwards, totally. Blake. Okay, um, and then I got three boys, um, Nolan is in sixth grade. Logan is in third grade, and Calvin is in TK. Uh, if I remember right, you, you dated Angie in high school, yeah, too, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, 1997 is when we started Wow, so, wow. that's yeah. been a while. It's been a while. How did you get uh, get started in the rec department, Brock? Well, um, I guess the long story going back, um, I always thought I wanted to be a teacher. Um, and I tell kids at school this all the time when they say they don't know what they want to do. I said, well, I went to school to be a teacher. Did about a year. I said, no, that sounds awful. Then with the advisor, they said, you should be a community rec director. And I said, that sounds awful too. Well, now I, along with being the rec director, I also teach a lot. So it worked, worked out for me. But <laughs> but yeah, um, after uh, college and then uh, coaching um, baseball at UNI for, for three years, um, decided that if I'm going to get married, have a family, uh, life on the road, recruiting and traveling probably wasn't for me. So I came back, um, subbed for a while, then spent the summer coaching baseball, which I still do here at Jessup, and then started work for my dad, and then decided that was pretty fun for six years, and then realized quickly that that wasn't going to be my be my calling, and I wasn't going to take the place over. So got back into teaching, and then after it was just a year or two, um, just subbing and, and coaching and stuff, uh, this job came open, and I guess it, it's the other guys that did it before me. Um, Josh Zook started the program out of basically nothing. I have no idea how he did it. I think they just said he handed him the laptop and said, go. 
So I owe a lot to him. And then Ben Lechtenberg had it. And then uh, now Nick, then Nick Green, who still teaches there, um, had it. But for those guys, they were teaching a lot of times elementary PE and then trying to do this job where it's good for me that my main job is the rec director part and then I can still teach on the side. Right. So, so now, I, Jesus, this my this might be my fifth year or sixth year. I don't even know for sure. But yeah. Been out a while now. That, that's... That, that is so cool. We, I've got to ask you, you mentioned baseball, and, and um, you've been involved in sports all your life. Since, yes, since I came to Jessup, your, family, mm-hmm. you, your family's been involved in sports. Um, how did baseball become so big to you, Brock? You know, I think uh, my dad grew up in Worthington, Iowa, um, just south of, of Dyersville, Field of Dreams, and that's Dubuque County, baseball country, and that's kind of was his thing. I mean, we love all the other sports too, played them all, but that's just kind of been our been our thing. That's what our vacations were. We've been to every major league ballpark, um, well, except Texas because COVID, their new one hit that. But it's kind of what we did and kind of kind of what we fell in love with. And then um, my oldest brother, Luke, um, was fortunate enough to play college baseball, which I think opened some doors for me to play, and then Greg, and just kind of, kind of what we do. Right. Yeah. Let, let's let's talk a little bit about the rug department. Um, it's it's unique here in Jessup the way it's set up. Tell us how it's set yeah. up here. In so Jessup. it's it's very unique. Um, the way I understand it, the school just saw a need um, to have it, so they got it going. Like I said, Josh Zook kind of came um, when he wasn't roofing houses or putting gutters on. He he was running this program, and um, but we are actually um, affiliated with the school. My office is in school. Um, the city helps. Um, with a financial contribution and then very good recently about re- reaching out so we have a really good relationship with them um but like i said my office is in the school i think it's unique but i think it's great because i see these kids every single day so well today we ordered some shooting shirts that came in so i can maybe i'll hand those out at school and i can you know tell this you know maybe there's a third grader that just doesn't know what we have to offer so i say hey you want to play and next thing you know Actually, I have a, a third grader today that saw me at lunch, and he says, Brock, Brock, I'm, I'm playing baseball this year. I'm playing baseball this year. He never played before. So just being in the school is great. Plus, it allows me to work well with, with our athletic director, um, Joe Smines, and then our secretary, Erica Bass. We're all in the same office now, and um, along with all the other coaches. So just the, the synergy we have working um, as a group. You know, I can bounce ideas off Joe as, as AD and basketball coach, and Erica as head volleyball coach, and um, and then all the other um, coaches, it just, it just works really well. Right. You know, that, that's one of the things that uh, drew us to having you in, Brock, is that th- your inclusion of so many people, mm-hmm. so many kids, mm-hmm. you know, so many adults in, into the rec department. Yeah, yeah you're, a, you're a community person. Yeah, and, sure. and, and if you, lo- you look at uh, the Steve Brown Arts Center, that's what we want is, a, is we want to be part of the community and and um we go on a little bit what what do you got for the adults so so that's that's always a a, a big thing um my focus has definitely always been on on the kids but now as i've kind of been at it a while i kind of see what we have and so I, i know where we have space you know wednesday nights sunday nights are usually free so um we saw a need for just community community members just to walk you know um you know, well, this year winter hit us so fast. Usually, I start in December, and I've heard people reach out when when you open the hall. It's in December. We're getting there, um, but um, Sundays and Wednesday nights, starting I think our first one is December fourth. The halls will be open from six thirty to seven thirty. Um, so we have we have that, and I, I think I shared more information with that. You know that you'll share. 
Um, we do adult volleyball league um, seven Sundays um, here this fall. We've done open gyms. We've done um, different things like that. We haven't really had a huge interest in that going forward uh, or enough to really go forward with it. Um, we offer, um, we partnered with Jessup Gym after they closed down and Annette Pilcher, who was mm -hmm. a classmate of mine way back when. And um, she does morning classes uh, four mornings a week. And then we're going to have some more stuff coming there. Um, we also have our, our Jack, which is our, our new weight room there at school, still yep. new to me. Yep. Um, that's still, that's um, open um, four nights a week for an hour as well for community members. Um, and now my new thing is is um, pickleball. And I remember playing it with, with Mike Sinran back in, actually played in the lunchroom back in the day. Right. Um, but, you know, that's getting big. And I got some helpers, at, some high school kids that helped me eighth hour. We're going to set up uh, the nets probably next week to see what we have for equipment. And then I'll open up registration and kind of coordinate with the PE teachers so we know what we have for, for gym space and courts we can tape on the floor and so people should be on the on the lookout for that you know it gets really popular um i watched a video the other day from oklahoma of all these different people playing and i mean it's it's all over in the area so just be on the lookout for that i'm not exactly sure how we're going to structure it but we'll get it going we'll work the kinks out the first year and it'll get better each year hopefully there's some real need uh, a story um when i when I first came to Jessup, I became friends with uh, the girls' basketball coach at Gladbrook Ryan, but mm -hmm. Bruce Bailey, yes. and the, he used to tell me that Ryan Beck, before it was Gladbrook Ryan Beck, mm -hmm. on the Wednesday of Thanksgiving at eleven o'clock, they would end the school day, and the whole school would have a pickleball tournament. Is that right? Um, the whole school, yeah. you know, I mean the whole high school, uh -huh. I should say, yeah. including the teachers. That's awesome. And it it would last all afternoon, double elimination, mm -hmm. and and so pick, pickleball is a lot of fun. It's yeah. not as high impact. You yeah. don't have to cover as much court. Right. You know, even an old man like me might mm -hmm. be able to play a little yeah. bit. <laughs> well, you better, we'll get you in there. My, my thought is to be in that. Yeah. Um, the the what is the most unique thing you've done in the rec department project you Ooh, think well people ask me kind of what my, my my job entails and i'm in charge of everything from our before and after school program our summer care program all the youth stuff you know and you think of the basic things you know baseball t-ball basketball whatever but we have archery i think we have 110 kids participating in archery this year wow. um which is a great program um, a lot of kids are in that so that's been interesting, learning that. We have a great group of people that kind of run that. Basically, they just tell me what to do, and I do it, and because mm -hmm. they're they're awesome there. A lot of different things. So we're looking to keep adding to, you know. I'm, I've talked to you about fishing a lot. I like to get in fishing. I think it would be fun to get kids out fishing, trout fishing, you know, catch some brook trouts, catch some, some rainbows, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, always looking to add, always looking for ideas. Um, when people bring stuff up, it basically comes down to space, and people are willing to run the program, so... Um, we're very fortunate to have awesome volunteers here. Our programs wouldn't work without those. Um, another cool thing is um, I've implemented a lot of the high school kids will help. And, you know, if you're in the middle of a season, it's hard to really have a job and all that. So, you know, our high school volleyball players will, will pick, you know, help one night a week with with um, our youth volleyball. And then, you know, I don't pay them a lot, probably as much as they, not as much as they'd like, but they get a little paycheck. And um, so that's been a really neat thing, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I and before I go on, you know, I have to I have to thank you for for um, co-hosting Jen Loeb this fall. Yes. The, the 
the rec department co-hosted with mm-hmm. the Steve Brown Arts Center yes. to have Jen Lobian and, mm-hmm. and speak. And what an incredible woman. Oh, it's crazy. And I remember, I think I rode the bus with Jen back in the day. And I guess never my wildest dreams. I think oh, someday I'll be hosting her and she'll talk about climbing not only Mount Everest, but all these other, even as a geography major, I've never heard of in right. places she was at. And just the, the mental toughness, although the physical mm-hmm. toughness was just unbelievable. It was it was a neat morning. What's a, an, another goal you have right now for the rec department? Oh, um, just you know, just keep growing. When I, before I came down here, I was I was at with uh, third and fourth grade or basketball, and you know we practiced till eight o'clock. Sometimes we practice till nine o'clock. Would love to get more facilities um, to be in there. Hopefully, there's some things in the work there, um, just to keep growing and keep having a place for kids. I mean, I think I had two eighth graders text or call me probably seven or eight times last week saying, hey, can we shoot? And I'm like, nope, sorry, we got girls basketball league today. Can we can we shoot the next day? And, you know, sorry, I'm not there, but it'd be fun to have a place where they can they can go in. But And then, like, you know, just, again, just keep keep growing. Um, I'm really excited about the pickleball, like we've talked about, yeah. and just keep going there. Do you, do you remember Ken Dober? He was at uh, Hudson. Hudson uh, yes. Old surly guy. Yeah. And he, was, mm-hmm. he offered me to... My first job when I was in college, exactly. I, I had a chance to work with him for a year. Mm-hmm. And he told me one time, he said, uh, um, the, the, the greatest coach is the kid wants to get into the gym, get him into a gym. Mm-hmm. You know, and and mm-hmm. he, he's right. You know, yeah. it, it, the facilities are, are a big deal. Mm-hmm. Right, so. right. And we got people willing to, to come in and, and like say kids that want to come in, then it's our job to, to get them in there. Yeah. Let's talk about a couple of things, a couple, a couple of fun things here, and we'll get you out of here for the night. Um, you've been to all these ballparks, Brock. What's your What's your favorite Major League Baseball team? Well, team is easy. It's the Cubs. Okay. Um, your favorite park? Yeah. Um, well, it's hard to not say Wrigley, but believe it or not, uh, PNC in Pittsburgh is amazing. Really? Absolutely amazing. I need to go back. There's a lot of loans I need to go back to. I was. Long time ago, we were at Boston. I'd like to get back to Fenway, um, but yeah, PNC is a in Pittsburgh is a, a really neat one. The view of the city and the bridges is is, is really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is uh, or what's the best game you've ever seen? What would you say? Oh, that's a good one. Um, one that sticks out when we were first hitting all these ballparks out. One morning, we um, were in Cedar Rapids, flew to Toronto. Went to a game in Toronto that day, and I'll never forget. It was right after 9-11, and a friend of mine, um, Joe Dahl, was with us. And we got there, and he was young at the time, and we get to the airport. And like I said, my dad's from Worthington, Iowa. Um, d- didn't get out much. Uh, and uh, get there, and, and they asked Joe, I said, well, who are these people? Because he had a different last name than us. And my dad looked at him and goes, I don't know who these people, you know, I don't know who this kid is. So I'll never forget that. It's like, Dad, you don't joke about this stuff now. But then we um, saw a game in Toronto, drove to Detroit um, that night, or that, and then went to a game the next day in Detroit. Well, we had time. We drove to Cleveland next. Sunday night baseball, we're like, hey, we're here. Let's go. We bought tickets late. And Ichiro was playing. And I remember it was like 10, we'll say 10 to nothing or something. Well, then Cleveland ended up coming back and beating Seattle. So I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that game, and I'm sure I'm missing some other ones too. Sure, but that was sure. that's one that always sticks out. The Israel would have been incredible yeah, to see. Yeah, yep. Um, the greatest game I ever saw was uh, Carew was chasing 400. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to see Carew chase 400 mm-hmm. 
Um, we we went for a for a weekend series with the White Sox and the yeah. Twins. Yeah. And Ralph Garrow was playing for the uh, White Sox at the time, and mm-hmm. Lyman Bostock was playing with the Twins. Yeah. yeah, that was. I think that would have been the year before he was traded out to the Angels. Then it, the next year, he might have been shot on the highway out in California. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, and I guess another game that comes to mind. Um, so my my sister Lori passed away in 2006. And, and on August 13th is right before we were going to go to San Diego to hit up that ballpark. We hadn't been there yet. Well, things happened. We canceled our trip. Went the next year. Um, just happened to be we were there when Bonds tied the record. Oh, cool. So we saw um, 7.55. Yeah. We were, we were there. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, quite a story there. You kind of probably had a little higher power there working with you. Right, yeah. right. So one other thing we'll get you out of here, you're a, you're, you're a Red Dirt fan. You're um who are who are your most memorable concerts? Okay, well, I think what we can say on air here. <laughs> so, um, I think it must have been 2007, um, on a bus going to Little Rock, Arkansas, to open up the season. Um, when I was coaching at UNI baseball, when we still had a team there, and uh, uh, my buddy Marty Sutherland, who's the associate head coach at Iowa now, says, "Hey, we're going to this concert tonight." And I was like, "I never heard of this guy." And like, I'm going to study the scouting report tonight. And he's like, "No, put it on." I said, "Yeah, we're going." So we go. Um, it was fun. I remember our radio guy with us playing the guitar or trying to play the guitar. And show's over, getting ready to leave. And Marty says, I gotta go talk to the guy. His name is Stoney LaRue. And we talked about five minutes. He was impressed with Marty's knowledge of this genre of music. And he's like, Marty, let's go to the bus. So we were on the bus. And I just say it's a good thing we got rained out the next day. <laughs> um, it was a good time. But um, no, that was good. Um, he's been back in Iowa City a few times. Um, Sure, I got on Turnpike Troubadours, and um, a lot of these bands are just starting to break through, and um, uh, Zach Bryan's a big one now that a lot of people, is kind of the same genre. Blake and I were already talking about Tyler Childers. Yep. Um, but no, I saw I saw Turnpike Troubadours, me and my brother Greg, in downtown San Francisco um, one night in April. That was a, a pretty pretty fun time. And then I saw Jason Isbell in Chicago. Um, that was really good um, at the Chicago Theater. But um, yeah, I need to get to some more. Right, um, but kids, uh, kids come along and kind of change that. I don't. Joe Dahl and I used to drive often to Des Moines and see a show and drive back and head to class, head to school the next day or when we're working for my dad. <laughs> Those haven't happened as much lately, for right? Some reason, but <laughs> I understand. Well, uh, Brock, is there anything else you want to tell us about? I see you have some notes for. Yeah, um, um, I, I guess the big thing is um, I always keep a record of of you know what we offer and. You know, this last year we had 25 different activities, and that ranges from daycare to um, swimming lesson transport to youth, you know, basketball, archery, whatever. And so 25 different activities last year, and we, we had uh, 1,314 different people register for our stuff. Now, could have been, you know, kid doing multiple right. things, so they counted twice there. But it's really kind of amazing how many registrations come through, and um, really excited that... Um, Partnering with the school and our, and our business office, we're going to open a new website where things are going to run easier that way. But um, so yeah, we'll get we'll get that um, through, and you know things are just so much different in the in the youth sports world than when I play. I mean, um, I was telling my kids tonight, like we never practiced. I mean, every once in a while, you know, Coach Baldwin might open the little gym for us, um, but other than that, you know, now kids are practicing twice a week for you know ninety minutes each night and. Um, it's different, but you know, again, I need to stress our volunteer coaches. 
um, that you know put all their time in, and then our local business sponsors. I have people ask me all the time, "Hey, can I sponsor? Can I sponsor?" So if if that was you, I'll be reaching out to you after after Christmas here again <laughs> to get it going. But that allows us to do some neat things, and, yeah. and you know we just bought a bunch of brand new basketballs and. Um, basically anything we need we can we can usually get because of of those sponsors so we're very fortunate to have such a supporting community and you know then with the city's help now like with the new basketball court and kids are loving that and so uh, we're in a really good spot here and and for for young families coming in um just with all the things we got going and not just rec stuff you know what you got going with steve brown art center the splash pad and i know i'm missing other things like just a really exciting time to to be from to, to be here and, and as a um you know, a parent, a longtime resident, a coach, alumni, all that stuff. It's just super proud of what we got going. Oh, I appreciate it. I appreciate everything you do for the community, yeah, thank Brock. You. Thank, yep. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. A little bit about my mother. My mom worked and usually went to work about the time I came home from school, Blake. And she would do something unique. She would write notes to me backwards in cursive and what I would have to do is I would have to hold the notes up in front of a mirror to read them I mean it was incredible I mean they weren't just like two or three word notes they were detailed notes which would have taken me days to write and she would write them you know they would be notes telling me a list of things to do years later I found out uh, that da Vinci in order to keep secrets away from his his rivals, would write his notes backwards in his journals. And I I, I wonder if my mother knew that. I it, it would be interesting to know if mom knew that or not. Um, my, my mother had my mother and father both graduated from eighth grade during during the uh, depression, and um, my mother at fourteen was forced to go out and get a job. And my, my mother was a very intelligent woman. She was a, a state spelling bee champion. Um, I would have let her down on that, Blake, a little bit. But anyhow, um, da, da Vinci had 10 rules that uh, he believed in that made, that made him successful. Um, his first, first rule was to listen to your critics. And uh, as we started this uh, podcast, Blake, I started with a little fear about what people would think. And so uh, as I would talk earlier, I would listen pretty carefully to uh, people that uh, were critics. I, I met one, one person one day outside of here, and uh, he said, well, I listened to your podcast. It was interesting. <laughs> so the... Uh, you know, he, he didn't say anything bad, but I, I understood what he meant, uh, that he wanted a little bit more than, than what we were given. So I'm trying. We're, I, I talked to another lady, and she said, well, Jim, you're, at least you're enunciating. So <laughs> another thing that Da Vinci believed in was uh, never compromise on learning. So I, I try to I try to learn more for the podcast each time, try to make it better. Blake brings more each time. Um, we, we try to bring in more guests. Um, you, you will enjoy tonight's guest a lot. Brock brings a lot to the table. Da Vinci talks, the third thing he talks about is go to the true source. 
Find things that, I mean, don't count on someone else. If you hear something, go ask them. Don't, don't hear something and, and just, just act on it. Make sure you know exactly what it is. The fourth thing Da Vinci talked about was pay attention to the world around you. And we're trying here, we try to give you a variety. We want to give you the Jessup news, but we want to give you art. We want to give you a little bit of entertainment, a little fun. Da Vinci believed anyone can master a craft. Now, not multiple crafts, one craft, and master your craft. He said, once you realize what it is, go get that. Seventh thing he talked about was listen to others. Eighth thing he talked about was work on your memory. And the ninth thing was be wary of ego. And the tenth thing, and this is something that uh, drives me, is look for inspiration in whatever you do and in everything. I've been on your phone now and computer now for a few weeks, mumbling my way along, trying to realize the Steve Brown Art Center vision here. I started concentrating so hard on my vision that I lost sight. I've come to find out that it's not the vision. It's not the vision at all. It's a process. It's a presentation. It is the presentation. It's a moving forward. I was so fixated on the structure of the Art Center that I didn't see what this podcast could be. I thought I was through, through, but Blake, Tony, Kelly, Zach, and Kara would not accept the ending. I had to let go of the building so I could see all, all the other possibilities. Anyway, I want to thank Kara for helping me to let go of that building. Thank you, Kara, for playing Abba to my Costello and Arts Who's On First. And thank you, Blake, for building each episode. And Kelly and Tony, thank you for sharing your building and equipment. Kierkegaard said the self is only that which it's the process of becoming. The thing I learned, people, and this is a fact, it's not the building. It's a process of the building. Let's construct something with a podcast. And eventually the building will come. Some announcements from the Steve Brown Art Center. Um, John De- the John Decker Art Show will be December 3rd from 4 to 7 in conjunction with the Winter Festival with Cowork 591 Studios and with the Steve Brown Art Center. In January of 2023, the, the music podcast um, are tentatively planned. In February 2023, the Jessup Story Corps will hopefully be aired. In March of 2023, the Jazz Festival at Union High School will take place. More on that to come later. Also, Blake and I have tentative plans to have um, a podcast called, called Stories from River Road Boulevard. And a lot of that just has to do with, like we mentioned on the last episode, if you didn't catch it, Stories from River Road Boulevard is stories from the man himself right here, Jim Gillespie. And the main thing with that is I've had multiple te- people tell me, and I also personally agree, you're a great storyteller. You have a lot of fantastic stories to tell. And I think getting them on here, a lot of people love to hear them, and we get them out there forever. Also, make sure you check out Tony Lang's podcast, Spilling the Tea. Tony, Tony does a nice job with that podcast as well. As I talked about earlier, 
the uh, in in February we want to post a group of stories um, from the community. It's called Just History through StoryCorps. Now StoryCorps is set up by National Public Radio, and it's an app on your phone. But it, also they have devices around the country that people can tell stories. We would use cell phones to do that. StoryCorps is an American nonprofit organization whose mission is to record, preserve, and share the stories of Americans from all backgrounds and beliefs. StoryCorps grew out of Sound Portraits Productions as a project founded in 2003 by a radio producer, Dave Isaac. Its headquarters are located in the Fort Greene neighborhood of Brooklyn, New York. StoryCorps is modeled in spirit and in scope and the efforts of the Works Progress Administration of the 1930s, through which oral history interviews across the United States were recorded. Another inspiration for the organization was oral historian Studs Turkle, who cut the ribbon at the opening of the StoryCorps, first recording booth in Grand Central Terminals. To date, StoryCorps has recorded more than 300,000 interviews among more than 600,000 participants in all 50 states, Washington, D.C., and several American territories. With the support of the 2015 TED Prize and the 2014 Knights Pro- Prototype Fund, StoryCorps has developed a free app that allows users to record interviews on a smartphone. The app helps users prepare questions, provide tips for setting up the rights recording environment. Users can upload their interviews to StoryCorps online archive, that's archivestorycore.org, and all interviews are archived at the American Folklife Center and at the Library of Congress. I'm going to play one that is one of the most uh, popular ever on StoryCorps. It was on National Public Radio back in 2015. One of our board members, Kara Mastiller, contacted StoryCorps recently and made sure that we could air this so this is this is legally aired because it is property of Kara's because it was Kara and her grandfather Jim Kennicott in an incredible interview that took place in Waterloo, Iowa um, shortly before Jim's death. If uh, you're not moved by this you won't be moved by by anything. So please sit back and enjoy this interview. And remember, Kara is on the Steve Brown Arts Center Board of Directors. Please enjoy. Hi, my name is Kara Masteller, and I interviewed my grandfather in my 1994 Buick. How did you know that Grandma was the one? Well, she was a good looker. <laughs> we fit together. We were a good pair. My Grandma... Everyone referred to her as like a spicy meatball. She swore a lot, but she looked so innocent that no one ever expected her to say the things that she said. Were you nervous to propose to her? No. We had something to say, we said it. Like you. <laughs> <laughs> what are your keys to a happy marriage? If something happens, just say I'm sorry and get it over with. <laughs> There's no reason to carry on. I just say I'm sorry I love you, and that was the whole story. (laughs) (laughs) I was really surprised by my grandpa saying sorry. I've never heard him say sorry. How would you like to be remembered? Remember? (laughs) 
Do you want to be remembered as like a real tough guy or? Yeah, I was a pretty soft guy. When you I, intimidated when me super, when I was little. I did. Yeah, <laughs> you did. Are you happy about the life you've lived? Oh yeah. It wasn't the easiest life back in them days. Mother died when I was four, and it was a tough life. He tells one story about how he was eight or nine, and he was ice skating on the river, and he fell through. He didn't have hot water wherever he was living with his dad, so he broke into the school and just took a hot shower in the school. I think that says a lot about his childhood, that there was really no one there to help him get out of the water or keep him warm. Last April, he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and I'd never heard him say much about it. What do you think about Alzheimer's? Not much you can do. I even can't remember some names now myself. <laughs> no, maybe I have got it. I don't know. And when he said, I, I don't know what it would be like to have it, that was difficult for me. So then I had to ask a follow-up just out of, I don't know, self-preservation because <laughs> I thought I was going to cry. As people age, do you have any advice for them about getting older? It's coming. <laughs> Don't fight it. Just roll with it. I mean, real life. Live it. It's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you, Grandpa. After the interview, my grandpa and I talked a lot more. The last thing he said before we <laughs> before we got out of the car was, Let's give them hell, kiddo. Hi, this is Steve Brown, Art Center Podcast Network. We're coming to you from Cowork 591 Studios. Don't forget the Giving Spirit is working again this year to provide Christmas for all the children in the Jessup area families that could use a little help. Families are invited to participate if they are eligible for school free and reduced lunch, so there's an element of financial need. Last year there were 34 families and 67 children. The organization coordinates with Operation Santa in Independence to make sure families are not using both programs. Anonymous tags are now available at Inspired Living Chiropractic, Farmer State Bank, and Bank Iowa. The tags describe the re- recipient's sizes and interests, so gift ideas are provided. People are encouraged to stop by and choose one or more tags from the trees. Each tag has four categories, something kids want, need, to wear, and to read. Shoppers can purchase one to four gifts for the child and then return the unwrapped gifts to the place they picked up the tag by Monday, December 5th. It's very important that the tag with the identifying number is also included with the return gifts. If anyone is unable to do the shopping, monetary donations will also be accepted. Direct them to the Giving Spirit, Post Office Box 568, Jessup, Iowa, 50648, or drop them off at Bank Iowa. Donations are used to shop for names that aren't taken and to even up the number of presents among children in the same family. Organizers of the Giving Spirit include Tony Powell, Kathy Schutte, Carrie Wall, Abby McNall, Vicki Stabell, Mary Stuban, Terry Shears, Adele Reinhardt, and Dawn Quackenbush. There are many other people who work with them to make the Giving Spirit successful by shopping and more. The Giving Spirit is not a 501c3 nonprofit 
but is worthwhile local charitable organizations acting on a true meaning of Christmas by showing love to our neighbors. This is the Steve Brown Art Center Podcast Network, and we're coming to you from the 591 Cowork Studios. Remember, the Steve Brown Art Center is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that has a vision for artists, young and old alike, to have the opportunity to better themselves while helping to build the skills of those around them. It will be offering community programming starting in Jessup, Iowa, before expanding to neighboring communities. Programming will include a community speaker series that will showcase existing creatives who reside within the community, as well as the pop-up series that will spotlight and partner with local businesses to provide opportunities for community engagement. Don't forget to go to our website. That's the Steve Brown Art Center .org. We're on Facebook, the Steve Brown Art Center. We're on Twitter at the Steve Brown Art Center. If you would like to donate to the Steve Brown Art Center or have an idea for an event, go to the stevebrownartcenter.org and follow the link. If you have news or would like to sponsor us, email us at jgillespiegolf at gmail.com or call 319-290-0241 and leave a message. That's 319-290-0241. Thanks, as always, to Blake Tempest. Tony Lang and Kelly Seahaas at Cowork 591 Studios. This is Jim Gillespie. Remember, each day is about little victories.